You ready? Ready! Then let the show begin. It's time for the PowerShell Podcast. The podcast for PowerShell and the PowerShell community. The PowerShell Podcast is a PDQ production, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick. And now, here's your host, Andrew Plaw. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the PowerShell Podcast. We are ringing in the new year with another fantastic episode. We are joined with the PMs on the PowerShell team to talk about a whole bunch of cool stuff, their areas of interest, the projects they're responsible for, and more. But to get things started off like we do, we are going to start with some pre-show content and cover some cool community resources. But this time, we're going to have a little bit more of a focus on the PowerShell team's resources. So... One thing that I discovered while doing some research for this and seeing which repositories everyone contributed to was the PowerShell Announcements Repository, um, which is a cool repository to get announcements. I didn't actually know it existed, but you can check out the issues there. Um, is that, Jason, is that what feeds get dash what's new? Um, yeah. No, actually the what's new page in our docs feeds what's new. I'm not sure what feeds this. So uh, the announcements repository is primarily for security issues that we we kind of announce. Those are the the num the main issues that are posted there. The um, CVEs that um, are are fixed and patched. Um, yeah, think. yep, that's what I was seeing. A bunch of CVEs. So some good, some cool stuff. If you want to check it out, um, the get what's new command and module is a very cool one worth highlighting. I believe we have in previous episodes, um, mm -hmm. and I'll have links to everything we're talking about in the show notes below. There's also the PowerShell community call, which I'm now all caught up. Um, usually I can't make that one live because I have a work conflict, but those are fortunately posted onto YouTube and I have a link to that channel as well. And, and when do those take place? I can't believe we're not all saying at the same time, third Thursday of every month at, was it nine o'clock, right? <laughs> 9.30? Pacific time, yeah. There's yep. consistently been a hundred people. Okay, I shouldn't say consistently. Plus or minus 20, but uh, there's been a lot of people attending those calls and it's been fun. Yeah, I like that time period of during the day. Go ahead, Sydney. Oh, I was just going to say one thing we've been talking about sort of as a team too is uh, maybe like quarterly or something like that, having offering a second time zone. So keeping our regular cadence, but offering um, a second call that could maybe accommodate other time zones. I know that like, maybe some of the Asia time zones, um, Australia, places like that. It's literally the middle of the night um, when we do our call. So we'd love to hear from you if like, you're maybe from one of those time zones or for whatever reason, you'd um, like it if we did a, a like maybe quarterly cadence um, out of the second time zone. And is the best way to communicate that through issues on the community call repository? So we always post um, kind of a community call discussion in our PowerShell uh, organization GitHub page. So there's a community call discussion, I guess, uh, section that had, that we're, we post each monthly one. That's where we put the agenda as well as, as, well as where folks can put, put questions or um, say they have something they want to demo and show. That's a great place for them to, to put that content there. So. Yeah, I really like the flow of them. Seems like they're kind of fast-paced. They cover a lot of content of what you guys are working on, but also a great spotlight on the community and a chance for people to contribute. And I love reading the chat. It's really cool that uh, people are attending live content like that. And uh, I look forward to more of those. So if you haven't attended one, I definitely recommend it. Put it into your calendar. Um, 
make it, make it a new year's resolution to attend a couple of these and you'd be surprised what you can learn. Uh, oh yeah. Check out the repository though, for sure. Because they have like all the previous recordings, the list of when they are, everything you need is on the GitHub repository. Um, you should really be on GitHub uh, to keep track with a lot of this stuff, especially if you want to be more involved in the projects and giving feedback. So great place to be. Um, there's the PowerShell team blog, which is a great way for the PowerShell team to share what's coming to their products and updates. And uh, a lot of times if you go through those, there's good code that you can run and kind of get started with whatever's being released from the team and kind of keep up to date with what's going on. Um, another thing I noticed in the community call was it was it was cool that I think it was with the release of VS Code um, for PowerShell. And there was a lot of uh, community feedback that led to bug fixes. And that kind of uh, interaction is super helpful to making the products better. So looking forward to seeing more of that. That's a big thing we try and push for is the communication thing. And um, it's really great that your team is so receptive to it. Now, how is Ignite? This is kind of a separate question, but how is Ignite? I know some of you presented sessions there. Is it a good time? I thought it was super fun, really nice to be in person and connect with the community. Um, it was really different than, than past Ignites, say like before the pandemic. I remember, you know, um, maybe, I don't know, 10,000 people, 30,000 people, really huge, large scale in-person events. And I know that this Ignite was more of a hybrid, um, smaller in-person event, um, but also offered the online experience. So I think that was a pretty different experience for us to sort of navigate um but it was really fun to get to see people in person and hopefully um people got to connect with our sessions online as well i don't know if, if anybody caught the pictures of sydney's session so th there's like the sessions that are in a breakout room or like the hands-on labs but then on the sort of like show floor they had areas and they would just have rolling presenters come in one after another and come talk and you'd see like 15 20 30 people hanging around when Sydney started, they filled that whole side of the conference floor. Like it, it filled up the area that was like roped off and then overflowed around. People were like pulling the curtain back, peeking around so they could get a glimpse of her presenting. It was amazing. Wow. Was that exciting? Were you expecting that? Um, well, I know our PowerShell people always kind of show out for us um, regardless. So we always try and kind of communicate that to conference organizers, but it can be hard to sell it sometimes as a, you know, free product. Um, but I, I kind of like expect our PowerShell community to show out for us. Um, but I mean, at the same time, you know, you never expect like a huge audience when you're presenting. Awesome. Well, we've already been chatting, so I think we should kind of go around in a circle, starting with Danny and kind of introduce yourself and what you work on. Sure. Uh, I didn't expect to go first. Wow. Uh, I'm Danny Martins. Uh, I am the PM for, let's just say, remoting. Uh, that includes, I'd say, PowerShell remoting, but really it's a lot more than that. Uh, we're looking at, I'd say, primarily SSH. Uh, historically, our team has owned WinRM as well. Um, but what we're really looking at for kind of my slice is how do we make remoting consistency kind of across the board? And so what we're focusing on right now is how do we make SSH consistent across Windows, across Linux, across Azure, across on-prem. And so you don't really have to have a whole bunch of different tools to access all of your, I'd say, endpoints so that, you, that you have access to, but you really just need to know kind of one common tool set. 
uh, and that's landing on SSH since SSH is really the default remoting protocol across the industry. Windows is just really the exception. So that's me and what I do. That's, that's a cool space to be working in. Yeah, it's really fun. It's a lot of say a lot of nuanced bits. It's kind of, you kind of go all over the place. You spend some time doing Linux, some time doing Windows, on-prem, uh, uh, cloud, IoT, uh, and then all the different tools that all I uh, say leverage SSH under the covers. So you kind of get a little bit of everything, which keeps it really fresh and fun. Awesome, Stephen. Uh, yeah, so um, I've been on the Powershell team for a little over two years now, and I've been the, the main areas that I kind of cover are the interactive scenarios for PowerShell. So when you're typing in the shell, how the how the shell is actually inter, how you're interacting with the shell, but also how the shell is kind of interacting with you in a way uh, or helping assist you with with what you're typing about. So um, this primarily includes um, PS Readline and um, uh, some of the predictive intelligence stuff that uh, actually Jason did a did a really amazing job for uh, uh, early on, and then um, we've been looking at uh, some improvements to to predictors, PS Readline, accessibility. That sort of area is under my wheelhouse. I also do a, a, some work on the telemetry about PowerShell, and um, I, I, I keep up to date a little bit with uh, all the AI stuff going on around PowerShell and in the general world, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's all over the place. That is exciting. I uh, watched a session at the PowerShell mini conference by you and Michael about sort of that topic and predictors and covering all that. And it's a very interesting space. I feel like it's great food for thought to kind of think about what it could look like and how much better things could get. So very cool. Sydney. Hi, I'm Sydney. Um, I work on um, a lot of the tooling spaces in PowerShell. So things like the package management experience, so the PowerShell gallery, PowerShell get, which is now um, PS resource get, uh, the editing experience, like our VS code extension. Um, and then I do some work with the PowerShell engine itself, mostly behind the scenes kind of stuff around compliance and of course, um, engagement with our community. Awesome. Michael? Uh, so I'm the team lead for PowerShell. Um, so my job is to make sure everybody else who's joined today is, is successful, is their best selves. Um, my, my approach to leadership is very non-authoritative <laughs> authority. Um, much more of a, I, I, I perceive it to be my job to serve everybody else who's on the call. So um, just figuring out what we can do to, to help everybody ship what they want to ship, advance in their career, be happy at work. Like, how do we just make it really, really fun to be on the PowerShell team? Um, and then uh, I have been working on uh, DSC, obviously, for uh, a long time. But for DSC v3, um, which is what we talked about, when I say obviously, this is what we talked about last time I was on. Um, so I'm, I'm still leading that effort. Um, I think as it uh, continues on and grows, it'll probably get more legs under it and, and uh, need more people. But for now, Steve Lee and Michael Lombardi and I are just like white knuckled every week trying to work on DSC as hard and fast as we can. So that's been really fun. I like that approach to your role. I think that that, that approach works really well when you have such a good team like you do. So awesome. I love Very them. cool. All right, Damien. So yeah, my name is Damien. Um, I'm actually the lead PM for the Azure Client Tools. Uh, so that encompasses 
Azure CLI and what we call Azure PowerShell, uh, which is technically a series of modules that help customers manage Azure resources in PowerShell natively. Um, so that's what I'm looking at um, in particular, and it's a broad area that, that leads into the whole DevOps space. <laughs> Definitely. Awesome. And Jason. Hey, I'm Jason. Uh, man, 2024 is just looking to be a real exciting year. Uh, I'm the PM on, on Cloud Shell and PowerShell. And, and actually, I've learned uh, a whole bunch over at Cloud Shell, but I'm going to be transitioning uh, more of my efforts uh, back towards PowerShell in 2024 because the things that, first of all, Michael is one of the greatest inspirations our team has. So he's really underselling what he does. <laughs> Second of all, some of the stuff that the team is working on, especially Damien and Steven, have really have me fascinated. And then, you know, Sydney's working in the tooling space. There's so much for us to do. And so um, we want to spend, a, a, you know, a considerable amount of time at looking how we can improve the ecosystem overall. So I think it's going to be a great year. And a lot of wins in 2023 and a lot of uh, awesome approaches y'all are taking to solving some big problems. So very exciting. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I know I've met some of you before. And for those that I haven't, it's great to meet you. And for our audience, if you haven't met them, welcome. Um, Michael, just a quick question. So you are sort of like, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but you're sort of like the PM's Steve Lee, where Steve Lee is on the engineering yep. side and you're, okay, cool. Yep. Yep. Do you work closely with him? Yes, I we, guess everybody. we talk pretty much every day, multiple times per day. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And I think what we wanted to do is now go around and kind of express an area of interest or a technology that's kind of interesting to you and hear from you and your perspective on it. Danny, go ahead. All right. I'd say I'll not to keep going on the same thing, but, you know, the SSH is kind of my primary focus uh, all day, every day. And so it's the technologies that we can use to make SSH more accessible for our customers and to make it really a seamless process, no matter what they're trying to do, is really the, the prime focus. And I ship probably the most things in Windows of our team, so I'm not necessarily at liberty to talk about everything I work on in the day-to-day, but things where we can make the experience for using SSH in Windows, much more simple things, how we can streamline, how do you access resources that don't have a public IP address, whether that be in Azure or on-prem, uh, things like that are really interesting. And I think of a really large value add to customer scenarios. So even if you think about like, hey, I'm, this is a great example, you traveled over the holidays, right? But hey, something came up and you need to access your resources that are on your home desktop. How do you do that? Right? How can you get a secure access channel back into uh, your home network without having to have a public IP address? There are solutions with SSH to solve that problem. If you are looking into that, look at Azure Arc. That's a free, a free connectivity option. But things like that, and how can you improve your daily workflow, or even these edge cases that might come up, is a, a really exciting area. Awesome. And what were you working on before? sort of SSH, Azure, connectability yeah. kind of thing? So before that, uh, I owned Cloud, uh, Azure Cloud Shell, so I uh, handed that over to, to Jason as I tried to get pulled more in both directions, right? And say both those projects were growing, and they were growing more than I had time for both of them. And so I had this lovely conversation with Jason and said, hey, 
you want to pick up cloud shell a little bit so i can focus more on ssh and thankfully he said yes because i think it really enabled both those areas to grow a lot more um uh but yeah historically i've i've always been on the the powershell team i joined right out of college and worked on cloud shell and ssh for the whole time I can imagine that that problem space of SSH and dealing with all the sort of connective tissue around it would take up a lot of sort of your mental area and being able to focus on that would be pretty helpful when it's so broad like that. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of nuance um, and it, it changes. I'd say the, the environment scope is very large. And so if you think about doing an IoT edge device, which the prime form of connectivity is SSH, uh, all the way up to, let's just say, a, a, a Windows server connected with Azure Arc, right? Those are two very different kind of endpoints that you're wanting to connect to, but you still want to have a consistent, I'd say, story across both of those. And even if you're doing things like SFTP for file transfers or if you're doing things with databases, I mean, SSH is the way to connect, and the, 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 the scoping of that is, is, is very diverse. Definitely. That was like the, the motto for our team is improving the lives of people who work on operations and operations tasks. You're not going to find too many people in that group to say, you know, what's really easy running stuff remotely. It's just, he's yeah. like, no, not one person has ever said that. So it's important to have somebody focus on this. Definitely. And as a PowerShell user, I'm appreciative and looking forward to the future. Steven, what's up, man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, th there's there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of new technologies that I've I've been pretty interested in the uh, for this upcoming year. Uh, I mean, one in particular that's that's obviously uh, a big topic lately is is AI in general, and and there's all of course the buzz around ChatGPT, Gemini, uh, Bard, GitHub Copilot. There's all these different tools out there now. Um, and it, it's a little, little bit. Um, it, it hasn't settled out, I guess. But I am very interested in the deeper, less obvious ways that AI is going to be still slowly inching its way into our daily work and our daily life and such like that. And and the best example I can think of it, and and this has been going on for for a while. And this is you know even before the advent of ChatGPT. I just think ChatGPT and and these kind of tools are accelerating it a little bit more is, you know, when you are typing an email and there's little bits of autocomplete for like uh, typical words you have in emails that says, thank you, you, you know, so much or something like that, where it can, uh, you know, just those little things like that just provide to me, provide so much assistance and uh, kind of, you don't really notice how helpful it is until you don't have it. And so, um, a lot of those kind of experiences for AI in all sorts of different technologies has been uh, very interesting for me. I mean, I'm, I've been really interested in trying to to play around with the M365 Copilot. Some of those those deeper Copilots that have awareness to um, for your resources and have awareness of your your ecosystem and your environment that can actually be kind of the assistant that you need with all the data that you don't have the time to, to sift through yourself. Um, I think I'm very excited about the acceleration in productivity with the assistance and awareness that AI can bring to you 
so that you're not always the one sifting through the, the CSV files or the um, you know individual user profiles or whatever. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting opportunities there and something that I'm, I think is uh, very exciting for the future of, of AI. So you've been sort of thinking about terminal experience and that kind of stuff for a little bit, but when did AI start being more and more something that you thought about and kind of thinking of ways that it could play into stuff? Because I know it's really grown in popularity over the past year, but sort of for you, when did it start becoming more interesting? I mean, it, it started a long time ago. I think for me, um, I started noticing a lot more when it just became part of my daily habit. Um, and uh, what I mean by this is even before ChatGPT and stuff, the predictive intelligence uh, that uh, of PS Reliance and, and the history predictor, as well as some of the other plugin predictors that we can have, um, I was just starting to always want that. And, you know, I'd find myself on other shells and being like, dang, I don't, I don't have this. Or like, I like, where, where is this kind of tool? This is so helpful for me to remember commands and, uh, accelerate my experience. And, and I even had that, uh, a similar thing where for, you know, uh, scheduling softwares where if it doesn't recommend people, I always have meetings to that kind of thing. It's like, I was like, man, this is really impactful. And so I, I've been thinking about it a lot for the, the, the terminal experience and how we can uh, accelerate it further. It's, it's tricky because the terminal is a very legacy piece of technology. And so we cannot necessarily revolutionize it without um, breaking existing experiences, but also breaking the user experience um, itself. We, we need to ensure that we keep a a terminal that is familiar to to everyone because it's a piece of technology that has been around for for decades and decades and um but be able to tweak it and work things in a way that we can revolutionize on top of it and accelerate users to be able to use automation and use uh, scripting much easier um in that space yeah i uh heard michael in that talk that i mentioned earlier ps minicon talk about how, you know, just the small hurdles whenever you're writing a script, being able to have things be faster or the errors come back sooner, just less sort of splinters in your day. And it sounds like uh, focusing on the lives of op people in operations is a big part of your team and making that easier so people can solve more problems is a very interesting space to me as well. And uh, that can take form in many ways, including improving the terminal experience. But awesome. Sydney. Hello. Yes. So... One of the things that I just absolutely love about PowerShell is the fact that it's a glue language and that it really takes advantage of these like ecosystem effects. So much of the power of PowerShell comes from the other tools that it can connect you with and the other resources it can connect you with. And so one thing I really want to focus on um, in the next year is taking advantage of those ecosystem effects from our team. And this is like, especially from a PM perspective of like, how can we make the biggest impact? And I think it's through connecting PowerShell to these existing technologies, already have APIs that already have full teams that already do really great things and connecting PowerShell better to those experiences. And I think that can look like us doing a better job of connecting internally with other Microsoft teams. Um, and it also can look like us reaching out to the community and integrating with community projects um, and also enabling the package ecosystem to just work better. So I think that's a big 
thing I'm thinking about going into 2024 is like, how can we take advantage of things that already exist, that are already built, that have already worked great, and build that connection piece so that PowerShell can enable users to take advantage of those technologies. Very cool. Awesome. Michael. I'm going to point out first, so our team is very into dogs. We all love dogs and bring them to our team meetings a lot. My dog is so used to this now that when she heard Sydney's voice on my laptop, she just came over and bumped me on the leg. <laughs> she wanted to talk to Sydney. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's that's uh, remote work for you, though. I that's love right. that. Yeah, that's really, yeah, that's our culture. Um, so the biggest thing for me, um, so I, I really think we can find ways to make PowerShell um, a deeper user experience. And so what I mean by that, every time, I mean, for like a decade now, every time we've gone out and asked people uh, who don't use PowerShell, um, you know, what holds you back? What, what, would, what would make PowerShell something you'd be interested in? Somewhere in their answer, uh, unless they're just, you know, emotionally connected to some other language, which is cool, um, we will get answers like, you know, I open a shell and I don't know what to type. Like I, I just a blinking cursor and it's a little terrifying. I feel like I could do something wrong that might mess up my machine or my environment or my business. And uh, by the time I go out and look in the docs and try to figure out what it is, uh, and you know, then you see in Discord and in Reddit and others over and over again, like how many times do we see people join and just say, hey, I'm just looking at PowerShell again. It's been a couple of years. Like, what are the resources I should go check out? And you know, somebody will recommend something. Well, that's a year old. Is that like the latest I should be doing? And there's like all these questions and uncertainty. So I don't think we solve this by one like marketing pillar or, or like a key feature. I think across the team and across everything we work on, we just like bring this into focus and move forward in small increments with cut with community feedback. So just looking at everything we've already delivered and then adding new things as well. How do we, how do we focus on, and, and Steven talked about um, things like predictors, things like feedback providers, and then how do we take technologies that we have already released and make them more intuitive to use? And how do we use new capabilities like machine learning so that maybe you don't have to know what to ask. We can sort of help you and say, hey, kind of looks like you're trying to figure out this problem. Here's some resources that would help. I don't know what it'll look like to deliver on that. I think, like I said, it's not gonna be one thing. I, I don't actually think it would be wrong to have it be like some sort of a, a killer feature that tries to solve that problem. I think that needs to be a, a thematic approach across all of our features. Um, and that has something that I think about every morning and every evening and build little prototypes and try things out and throw them out the window and try again. And just a, an ongoing exploration that I'm pumped about. So I talked to a lot of PowerShell beginners. Where do you think I should be directing them? Uh, any particular path you think is helpful? I know it's kind of a broad question. It is. Yeah. I mean, the, there's so many awesome resources right now that, okay. So here, here's a, a funny metaphor. Uh, I'm horrible at jujitsu, right? And I've stopped and started a couple of times. And every time I make it fairly far down the white belt path, and I'll, it never fails, like we'll be drilling and and the coach will say, or the professor will say like, now that you're in this position, you just have so many options. 
And I'm like, no, you have so many options. I'm a first timer here. I got this guy in an arm bar and I don't know what to do now. Right. Um, I think that's a little bit like what it's like as a new user where you reach out to the community and you're like, where do I start? And people who have been doing it for, you know, as long as PowerShell's been around go, you got so many options. There's all these books. There's a Reddit channel, a Discord channel. You can join the community call. The docs are in great shape. Like so many resources. Well, they don't know that, right? They're looking at this for the first time. So I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think there's a handful of books that are all great. Um, you can even, I, I think the docs are becoming a resource that's a good place to start. Um, but I think the some of the books that are out there are organized more as a learning resource uh, where you kind of bite off in small chunks. So I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer. Um, the closer they can get to the community earlier, I think it will, will help them um, in a more meaningful way than just having something as a one-off digests, right? I, I agree with that, yeah, because there are so many good resources, but sometimes just having someone to sanity check you, give you some feedback, help you with that kind of blank page that scares so many people and get you started with some commands is, is definitely helpful. I also love finding a project to work on uh, for some people that works really well. Find some sort of basic project and uh, accomplish that. But yeah. appreciate your answer. Damien. <clears throat> yeah. Um, there, there is one thing that I would say is top of my head, of my mind, at least in the Azure client world or Azure CLIs. Um, we counted recently the number of commands we have. And guess what? We have about a little more than 9,000 commands uh, all up to manage Azure resources. <laughs> and, and that's true for Azure CLI, that's true for Azure PowerShell. Uh, that's a huge number if you think of it. There's no way uh, that anyone can remember all those commands. Uh, well, I cannot, <laughs> at least. <laughs> and I'm not expecting anyone to remember those, those commands. You can guess them. Um, but in order to help customers, our customers, to be more efficient, more proficient with those 9,000 commands, we need to make it easier. We need to make it easier for them to find them. We need to make it easier for people to know how to use them and make it easier to uh, implement that into their pipelines. <clears throat> that is where those commands are thriving. So how do we make a customer uh, build a pipeline in a more efficient way? Uh, how do we make customers build that or improve that pipeline they've had for so many years um, in, in the blink of an eye? How do we get there? Uh, that's really what I'm looking at uh, in the coming year or years, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but accelerating that process to uh, for customers to go from nothing to having that pipelines continuously deploy resources in cloud in a secure way, uh, in the most efficient and fast way. Uh, that's what I'm looking at. Uh, that's what really is top of my head. And I just mentioned the other uh, word, uh, security. Uh, those commands access the cloud of our customers. They They can do a lot of things as soon as you have access to the environment. So keeping those clients very secure, uh, making sure that they're robust is really the other aspect of what we're looking uh, at on the, on the Azure client tools uh, world. That is pretty good, especially the whole making uh, pipelines easier. Because one thing that we like to tell people is that, you know, if you can get things into a pipeline, that's the way to do it. 
um, for so many reasons. And the easier that that can be, the less barriers to entry on that, I think definitely improves the security of the whole IT landscape and makes the lives of uh, operations people a bit better, for sure. It, it definitely helps that. And, and there are ways uh, we, we, there are ways to do that. Uh, uh, we've been talking of AI. AI is definitely one of the area that can help uh, doing this. Um, AI can also be here to help how we build the commands and how we uh, address all the challenges we have today at, at scale. Um, it's, it's going to be a journey. Uh, we know it. <laughs> I think AI is really a pivotal. We are looking at that moment where things are shifting. Um, and we don't really know what the future will look like. But I believe that AI can help addressing all those challenges. That's so awesome. I just want to say, I really appreciate, and from what I'm hearing um, from all of you, what you're talking about, I really appreciate the courage that your team has to take on such big problems, um, where there's not like a quick fix where you can just snap your fingers, oh, this one line of code is going to fix it. But these are some big initiatives that really have a big impact and are very important and aren't easy. And so I really appreciate the courage that uh, each of you has to work on such a space. And that really benefits me and the listeners of this podcast. So from all of us, thank you all so much. We actually decided to measure that this year. Oh, really? Like as one of our team accountabilities. And for the first year, we're probably just going to establish a baseline, but it's like, are we taking on the hard problems? Are we are we able to act with courage? Yeah. I was listening to a PowerShell community call. I think it might've been last month where there was some talk about the working groups and you know, definitely having courage when it comes to some of those challenging issues that might've been open for a while and, and that kind of stuff. So really appreciate that approach and it's it's awesome to see because i think a lot of us sort of learn how a team works by watching top teams and there's definitely a lot for us to learn from you all so keep doing great work jason oh so we move from courageous now to jason <laughs> <laughs> nice segue oh, nice timing, man. <laughs> um, uh 2024 i am just I, I, this is the ex most excited I think I've been in a long time. And everything that I'm thinking about right now that I want to work on, that I want to learn, I know that as the year progresses, there's going to be more and more stuff. I mean, we move at light speed here. But um, really, what I'm really passionate about learning is, I mean, a lot of you have already heard, you know, like Michael and the, the team has been working really hard on DSE V3. Well, I love building hydration kits for infrastructure services. So I want to see if hey, I can still build all those same um, hydration kits and then push them to areas that I, in older versions of DSE that I couldn't accomplish. And, you know, like our friends over at Winget are blazing a lot of trail over there. So I think there's a lot to learn and contribute to the, the DSE environment. And, and, and kind of, uh, and Danny had brought this up that he used to work on Cloud Shell and then I worked on Cloud Shell. We both learned a lot from that team. Um, and one of the things that I learned, and I, I'm curious to find out from everybody else, I learned that, that, that the, the container image that is Cloud Shell, where you run PowerShell or Bash, that container image can run locally on your box. It's just a Docker image. And so my question has been, is there value in that? Is there value in having a shell that you could launch locally that has access to your local resources that's already up to date? Because if you launch PowerShell and you want to go out and manage Azure, it's going to take you a half an hour or more to update your tools. This is already there. So I wonder if there's value in that and value in customizing it to make it easier to like add your own components into it so that it's always ready to go. I think of it as a shell that's ready for service. You know, it's just ready to be used to do the job. But I, I think that the 
the thing that tickles me the most, and I think I need the most learning here, is is the areas in which, like uh, Stephen and Damien, and you know, a deeper look at the shell. I mean, we all remember, you know, when you first learn PowerShell, Tab is like the greatest you know button in the world because it does so many useful things. Well there's got to be other ways to help folks further than just the tab key. And that's, that's what I'm trying to understand and trying to do some experiments to kind of figure out what is that like? And as a matter of fact, I started this experiment over Christmas where I learned an entirely different automation language that has nothing to do with IT. It's a very rudimentary language, has crappy help, crappy documentation, all of that. But the idea was to, to put myself into that chaotic position of pain and suffering of, of staring at the terminal going, what's that? Why is it doing that? How do I make it stop doing that? What do I type next? So that, again, without all of those helpful tools that PowerShell already gives me, now I can experience it raw all over again and see if there's new useful ways to maybe think about things. And so I think this year is going to be a really fun year to get through and to see what 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 comes out of it. Definitely. One thing that you mentioned was how things move so fast. And that is so true in the IT space. And obviously, you know, I've given you guys some praise. And I, I just want to shout out anybody, PMs, engineers, people in the community who dig into these new technologies and create projects and test things out. And everyone who who kind of takes that time to dig into these things, shout out to you. And I know many of our listeners are those people. Um, but yeah, working in IT, the constant change is very exciting, uh, especially with a lot of the tools and stuff we've talked about here today. So thank you all, all for joining and, and sharing what you're excited about. Uh, this is going to be a great year, at least for the podcast, at least for PowerShell in our little world we have here. Um, and appreciate everyone who kind of makes that possible. If you're listening, give us a like, comment, subscribe. Uh, Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you have feedback, you can hit me up, PowerShell at PDQ.com, or you can find us on Twitter at PowerShellPod. I'm Andrew Plaw. I'm on LinkedIn and Andrew Plaw Tech on Twitter and some other places on the internet. Probably LinkedIn's the best place. Um, if you want to get into the inner circle, we have a PDQ Discord with the PowerShell scripting channel, and you can find me there, talk about the episodes, talk about PowerShell, and uh, just have a good time. So thank you, everyone, for joining. I look forward to talking to you more throughout the year, seeing you at some conferences, and seeing your contributions on the internet. So thank you all for joining. Thank you, Andrew. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the PowerShell Podcast. The PowerShell Podcast is a PDQ production, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick.